Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg, and this is a weekly conversation with someone that I find truly inspiring and will hopefully leave you truly inspired as well. My goal here on this show is to talk with guests that have a great story to tell or who have achieved something remarkable in their lives and through their story, hopefully get inspired myself, perhaps inspire you too. If you like this show, if you've been liking the uh, back catalog, if you've been enjoying the episodes, please do me a kindness, um, pull your phone out your pocket or your bag or pick it up however you're listening to this podcast and uh, click share on the uh, app that you're listening to this on and just tweet out a link if that's for you if you if you could do that that would be really good that's the way i get the word out about the show i don't really do any other promo for the show um and that would be the the best thing you could do for me in return so thank you very much to everybody that tweeted through the link um if you could if you want to go one extra thing if you want the bonus plan if you could go onto the itunes uh store um Leave a rating in the podcast app. That would be um, super duper. Writing a review that really, really helps. Really helps what I'm doing today. Um, so thank you, thank you very, very much. Uh, today on the show, my guest is actress, writer, and uh, budding producer Jess Tovey. She's remarkable. You may know her as Belle on Home and Away, even though she hasn't done that job for a while. But uh, she's on the show today. She's amazing. I'll tell you more about her in a moment. Um, what's going on with me? Uh, well, thank you to everybody that tweeted through the week. Uh, yes, I'm being very honest with you on this show. And yes, I was doing it quite tough last week. Um, this week's a little better, uh, but it's still a lot of work. My guest today on the show is on a completely different note, on, on an up vibe, um, a fabulous Australian actor by the name of Jess Tovey on Twitter. She's Jessie Liz, J-E-S-S-I-E-L-I-Z. She's on Twitter there. Um, you may know her as she was Belle on Home and Away for a couple of years um, and you know she really cemented herself in the in, you know as a cornerstone of, of of the popular kind of zeitgeist for many years and, and now she's on wonderland and, and working very hard on many other films she came to visit my apartment in bondi last november uh so it's a bit dated you'll hear me talk about stuff as if i don't know what day it is but because this is four months ago she came over for a cup of tea and a chat and i was immediately struck by just how driven she is. You're going to get so inspired by this woman. 
She's got a solid practice. She's got a vision and a desire for what she wants to do. And her ability to execute this vision, it just, it just seems inevitable. Um, I won't lie, it was a great pleasure to chat with her. Uh, I enjoyed the back and forth of our conversation. And we explore all aspects of her career, from what it was like being Belle, Australia's darling on Home and Away, to what it was like to watch her own funeral the state of script writing in Australian drama. And we also talk about creativity and even why she enjoys living in a share house so much. It's interesting. While I was revisiting this, because I haven't listened to it since I recorded it, I was just so struck by how clear her vision is. I was just so inspired by what she's doing and, and what she's setting out to do. So, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, you will be as well. This is, uh, this is some good stuff. So enjoy this. Come sit on my sofa in Bondi and um, come get to know Jess Toby with me. If you talk, I'll be able to see how loud you are. Uh, okay. How is that of an adequate loudness? Well, I can turn this. Oh, okay, good. So to make it more have, or less loud. Wow, you have, have, you have the power. I, I went to audio school. Tovey. Really? Tovey? Tovey? I went to audio school, Tovey, for a whole year. Well, you which learned was to basically sh- a shitload of beer drinking. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Productive year. It was. Good um, year. Jess or Jessica? Um, Jess. Jess Tovey. Hello. Jess Tovey. Hello. Hello, Osha. Welcome to uh, Bondi Beach is where we're recording this. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a massive frequenter of Bondi, so it's, um, it's, it's nice to make, make the trek. For people who don't know Sydney and the interesting geographics of sydney it's, mm-hmm. it's similar to i guess you would say in melbourne in that if you're in brunswick and you have a friend in st kilda uh, they'll be your facebook friend alone. oh yeah you're yeah. never going to meet christmas them. new year's maybe birthdays if you're lucky perhaps perhaps yeah uh and, and it's similar to like in in los angeles where mm. i live hollywood to venice oh yeah you should try like no, you're say, one or the other. They say in LA, they say don't date the 818, which is the valley. Yeah, it's, right. the same, it's pretty much the same. As soon as I say I live in Venice, girls are like, what's that over there? Yeah. That's something Sorry, really interesting. Because um, you live on the other side of the 405. And I don't so care. I'm never going to see you. Yeah, I'm never it's, gonna never ha- it's never going to work out. Never gonna you work may out. as well live in Australia yeah. because <laughs> that's how committed I am to not yeah. driving to Venice. So, yeah, yeah I tend to uh, be alone. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so you've come from the inner west of Sydney. I have, I have. Well, I grew up in the inner west of Sydney. I grew up um, in Petersham, which most people won't know. So I'll say Marrickville or Newtown, which... I know Petersham. You know Petersham. And let me tell you how I know Petersham. How do you know Petersham? When we first came to Sydney, my Mm -hmm. ex-girlfriend and I, when we first moved here, we found out that there was such a thing called Gay Skate. Every Ooh. Tuesday at the Petersham Skating Rink. I don't know if it exists anymore. No, it's been turned into a block of apartments, which is devastating. That rink was so old. I used to love going there as a kid. I think Beck Cartwright even did a music video in that roller skating did. rink. Yeah, I think she yeah. did. Well, it's we a used to go. Building. We used to go every Tuesday to Gay Skate, right. uh, which is what you think it is. It's Gay Skating it's around. Gay Skating. But How we did went. Not know and about this? We went and because I, I love to roller skate. Right. Uh, I, roller derby wasn't around. Really, and so it was me. It's back in now. My ex girlfriend and just a whole lot of gay men. Awesome. And it was Kylie Minogue. It was the summer that oh Light God. Years from Kylie Minogue had come out. Light Years? No. What was that disco one with spinning around on it? It was that record. Yeah. And uh, Michael Jackson's Off the Wall was pretty much all they played. And it what was a raging Tuesday night. It was the shit. Yeah. It was... Did you have, like, a special uniform, like little shorts and oh, knee-high socks? Or I still had really long hair at that point. Oh, okay. 
I still had really long hair at that point. The only thing is, is that uh, I have my quads, my quad skates, uh-huh. all right, which uh, they were uh, really awesome. They yeah. were yellow wheels, blue with a yellow swish up the That's side. That's very cool. For it speed. Was, it was 2000, totes. Yeah. For total, totally for speed. It was 2000, so I was wearing the regeneration, regeneration yeah. of flares, <laughs> which was in at the time. And I had really long hair. Wow, this is a good look. But my cross steps, man, I click my fingers when I cross step to the Jesus. disco. It's oh, just yeah. like something you had the Brady Bunch, really, isn't it? Yeah, the thing is, my ex girlfriend, um, she uh, is or was a, uh, a competition figure roller skater. Oh, my God. So I when she went, the boys just loved her because she was doing the backwards. She was doing the thing where she, she can skate backwards and she was grooving. But the wow. thing is, uh, is my skates were strictly indoors. Yeah. But a lot of the boys were using the rollerblades yeah. that they'd been fanging around Centennial Park, which is yeah. the parkland in the centre of Sydney. And a lot of the grease from the tyres of the road get onto their wheels. And, and so when that, the- and when that comes onto the skating rink, just out of nowhere, there'll be uh, the auto grease. On yeah. The, on the, and I would fall over. <laughs> like I'd go around the corner, like fully like leaning into it with mid-disco stride. And then- <laughs> Totally. On your ass. On my ass. Great. Great. Anyway. So Petersham holds a special place. Well, I, I'll be proud of that now. I'm sorry that it's a block of flats now. Yeah. And then one of those awful 24-hour gyms. Um, but Petersham, I mean. The I creepy s- ones with the cameras and no attendance? Yeah, yeah. I oh. think those ones. Yeah, where you have tokens to get in and stuff. But there's still all the old like, Portuguese charcoal chicken shops and cake shops and that have been there ever since I grew up. So it, it hasn't actually changed that much. So I, I like going back there. Well, welcome. I'm very glad oh. you could be here. Uh, our mutual friend, Jet Wilkinson, who is yes. a, 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 will be or has been a guest on this podcast. She, when am I going to do her? I'm going to do her soon. So she'll, she has been a guest on this oh, podcast. Um, she introduced us and she's fantastic. And I'm just really grateful to, to, to have you here because you're you know, you hold a place in Australia's heart. That's such a weird thing. But you do. Okay. Because you're familiar. Okay. Yeah. You're familiar. Which is strange. You're familiar to people and you're on the kind of on the cusp of this, things are about to kick off. And I just wonder, do you feel that? Um, Because even before Jet said, I should talk to you on the podcast, I knew about, oh, hang on, something's happening over there. Yeah. It's, it's kind of strange because I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a pretty open person to those that know me, but I'm an incredibly private person. I don't really kind of go out to events. I mean, I wouldn't consider myself a very in the social eye, um, but I am aware. I've kind of started to notice that being just a, a, a teen TV star is no longer the label that there's now that there's you know God, it's nearly nine years of work in the industry that that label is getting taken over by something else, which is far more has a lot more longevity. So I'm kind of I'm nervous about that. Um, but it's really exciting because I've kind of, I've done a lot of work in the last few years, but haven't actually had any work out, um, on air or in cinemas. And it's kind of all coming out in one go from Wonderland to three films I did last year that all will kind of come out back to back. So yeah, it's a little nerve wracking. Thanks for bringing that up. I feel really good about that. Well, I just, (laughs) I wanted to know because, you know, so often you, in my job, Mm. which is often talking about people like you on air, I don't do that job anymore, but I did do that job. It would be like this person, this person, this person, all of a sudden, holy goodness, where did this person come from? And I often wondered, does this person, are you aware? Like, how does it manifest? Do phone calls come from overseas going, we're wondering if you're going to come for pilot season. We're Um, really interested. We'd love to take you around. Well, I think that's what, uh, for me, it's it's very different. I look at friends of mine who I, you know, maybe didn't, home and away with people like Chris Hemsworth that that literally just happened overnight. You know, he was 
he'd only done Home and Away and then all of a sudden he did Star Wars and then he did Thor. It was kind of one of those amazing... Star Trek, I think it was. Oh, Star Trek, sorry, Star yeah, Trek. The yeah. opening scene of Star Trek when he yeah, played he's Kirk's the father. dad. Yeah, yeah, Kirk's dad. Um, but for me it's been very different because I haven't ever really had this great desire to go to LA. I've been quite happy to just slowly cultivate a career in Australia and that's just kind of been lots of little bits and pieces. So it's... I guess it doesn't really feel like it's skyrocketing for me because I've been kind of chipping away at this for, as I said, you know, the, my entire adult life. Well, it always is chipping away and it yeah. always is, you know, there's that line of if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. So you'll, you'll stay the same, but opportunities tend to kind of hockey stick in a way. They tend to yeah. kind of increase in, a, in yeah. a massive way and certainly in the back of these three films that... And I'm feeling that. I'm noticing, you know, the way that I'm... You know, the, the kinds of things that I'm invited to are the way the things I get to go and audition How's for. How's it changed? Tell me. Well, no, I mean, I mean, I would never really... A few years ago, I was kind of more going in for television and now I'm, you know, getting more invites for features and for more American work or... Um, so that kind of has changed. But I think that has a lot to do with, to be honest, with age. I, th- I think, you know, a lot of... Because you're so old. What? I'm so old, all of 26. Uh, 26. I, know. I mean, you should really... <laughs> No, no, no. But I mean more that, you know, a lot of kind of, um, especially females, oh, no, and males as well, kind of start out on shows like Home and Away, and a lot of them kind of disappear. And so I think a lot of people in the industry often do wait to see who who can, um, you know, change the way that they're looked at, who can change their appearance, who can prove that they can do other kind of work. And so often it takes a few years, I think, before the industry goes, okay, no, you're you're here for keeps, you're, you're sticking around and you are capable of other things, not just that one kind of genre. So I think I think that's what I have been doing for the last few years is just trying to find jobs that are really different than that and, and prove that, you know, I'm I'm not just a girl from Summer Bay, that, you know, I can do other things. I do want to I do want to talk about that. Can, can we talk about that? Is, oh, good. That I have very happy memories. I, there's, there's no negative thing about it whatsoever. Yeah. I think it was the except, best thing I ever know, did. Except that, you know, Belle died. Well, it's a little negative, but there was something kind of – that was kind of perfect to me. I remember when I got told that they were going to kill her off and um, and I was really happy that that's the way she was going to end. It felt like the way to wrap up a, a period of Let, my life. I want to get to that. Let's All get right. to this at the start because I, I often wonder, I often wonder like I, it was when I was doing Idol mm. and we would see five, ten thousand people waiting in line for this shot. Yeah. I, was, I used to think to myself, this must be what it's like when the Neighbours people audition. Yeah. Because if you get on Neighbours, yeah. you know, and it's essentially the same. You know, there's a top five every year. There's like, oh, somebody leave the, a cousin's come to visit. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, hey, the new family's moved in. Um, and if you play it right, you can turn that into gigastardom. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, like, was there a lot of pressure? The, the, the urban legend goes as you walked out of high school and onto set. I did, yeah. And that was, I mean, I think that's How did why... you even hear about the audition? How did it work? Well, this is, this is why I think... When I know so many of the people who are kind of really into fame or going to things, that was just never where it was for me. I'd, I'd been acting since I was six. After school, I went to performing arts high. It was my hobby. Um, so much that my parents wouldn't let me get an agent because they thought that I would... They didn't want me to not finish school. Um, but I did a play in the summer holidays for free at the community theatre in Newtown of seven little Australians. And an agent came to see me in that and wanted me on the books and my parents kind of went well look it's you're in year 12 it's kind of the end as long as you stay and finish your hsc that's fine that's think, the end that's the end of grade 12 uh, yeah, yeah it's the big score that you the, get at the end yeah of grade exactly 12, yeah. after that you know and and i kind of said to them that at least in the near future i wasn't planning on going to uni so this is what i wanted to do 
And I think I'd done, you know, 10 auditions. And in September, I got an audition for Home and Away. And I got the role about four days before I started my final exams. Started work filming during my exams and then exams were over and I was on full time. So it it wasn't this, you know, I hadn't been plugging away at auditions for years and years and yeah. been a child star. It was just kind of fate that But like I said before, timing. it was this thing of like staying ready so you don't have to get ready. You were ready when someone saw yeah, you. Yeah. You didn't and, have to work up to that. And I'd been doing it for so long yeah. as literally probably since high school, four or five days a week I was doing drama. How often do they audition for this show? Does they have an intake like once a year um, to set it up for the I, I guess the there's year? a kind of quota that, you know, as someone dies, they generally get ready to bring someone else in. So there's yeah. always roughly about 15 main cast uh-huh. at any given time, five guesties. And that changes. Do you remember on. the day of the audition? Because I used to go to oh, a, yeah. I was fascinated by the audition process when I first met my ex-wife and, and yeah. going through pilot season. I'll, I'll never forget, you know, she was, I was like, oh, can I come with you? She's like, yeah. really? Really? Mm-hmm. It's really not exciting. I'm like, no, 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 I'm really interested. Yeah. And we would go and, and you know, we would we would sign in and then go, yeah, go and some completely disinterested person with a headset. Yeah. So I go sit over there and we'd walk into this room and my ex-wife's a, a beautiful kind of brunette Middle Eastern yeah. woman, must have fighting skills, must have, you know, can handle a gun. They've all been in the army, so she could. <laughs> we walk in the door and there's 22 women who look exactly like yeah. my ex-wife. It's like, why? Yeah. Why even bother? Yeah, it's um I mean the good thing, I guess at least in Australia there's obviously a lot less people going for it especially in that age bracket at 17. So there's a smaller pool um that you're up against. The, Did uh, you read Bell on the is that who you're reading? Yeah, yeah, I was reading Bell and I I think I I'd been into that casting agent once before when they had to recast Beck Cartwright's role and you know I was 17 and went there is no way I'm going to get this. But I think that that kind of allowed them to see where I might be able to fit in that family. And so when this role came up, they went, no, we actually think this is, this is perfect for Jess. Oh, wow. um, and I, re- I do remember, <laughs> remember the, the last audition. There were three, so the last callback. And it was the day of my mid-year drama assessment. And I came to um, the casting with all this makeup on. And she pulled me, well, the woman who was directing the casting, uh, the casting agent pulled me aside and said, get all your makeup off. This is you playing a homeless kid. Go into the bathroom. To, I think you could get this. And I'm, I'm telling you what you need to do in order to get it. And um, that last one I had to do chemistry reads with Shani Vincent and Mark Furs. And I think there were maybe five of us girls that day. So it was, and you kind of knew that the, 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 the odds are actually in your favour if you can nail this. And I, do, I remember getting the phone call about, four days later and Whoa. just dying. I was sta- in the back of my parents' backyard and just like huddled outside. It was about 5.30 on a Wednesday and just jumping up and down screaming and I think I went out for gelato that night with a friend. God, it feels so long ago. But yeah, it was kind of, it, the, kind of the first... I don't, I don't think I really understood what was about to happen because I auditioned for Belle as a six-month part as well and when I got the phone call to get the job... That she said on the phone, it's not six months anymore; it's three years. And so it, that I hadn't pre- been prepared for a three-year job. I was just prepared for like a a little guestie. Um, so yeah, it was a complete another shock that I just went, "Wow, that's 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 me to twenty-one. I know now what I'm doing up until the age of twenty-one, which is kind of a strange thing to think of at seventeen years old. Not if you go into university, you know what you're doing until well, twenty-one. Well, that's and that's what I said to my parents. I said, "Look, so it doesn't matter. I'm not going to uni because by the t- doesn't matter what I get my HSC because by the time I get out, I'll be a mature age student. I can do whatever I want anyway." And as well, you may as well be going to uni because essentially what you're going to do on that show 
and I've, we'll talk about this, but mm. I've, I've done a day on a show like that. I've done two days on a show like that. It's relentless. And yeah. It's just non-stop the it's best just, training without a doubt yeah. it's you're in the woodshed yeah. every day it's like an apprenticeship and it's funny even on wonderland because we're still we've got about two weeks left of filming the amount of times in my career i've heard people say you can pick you can pick someone who's come out of a soap because they're meticulous with their continuity they hit their mark every time if someone gets in the way of their camera they'll find a way to move to get the to get in the shot they're so hyper aware of everyone else's job because you have to on soap because it's so fast paced you're shooting 19 minutes a day where Wonderland shoots eight so you know you've got to be switched on all the time and three years of that is just the best training for any actor I think and so when you get on a movie set you're like straight away you can find your key light you know exactly where your eye lines are you know where to cheat you know you know exactly how it works I remember I had to in this in film that I finished which comes out soon um big intense emotional scene and because of the way the camera was they got a bit of sticky tape and stuck it to the edge of the camera and said so that's who you're talking to that's where we need you to deliver this really passionate kind of speech and thinking thank god for home and away because I'm ready for this you know ready to you know cry and scream at a little bit of masking tape on the side of a camera um gaff has emotion it does Jess? it does it also depends on the color and the smiley face that they draw on it gaff mm. is a lot like the force in star wars it has a dark side, oh, it has a light side, and it holds everything together. Oh, my God. That is a great dad joke. <laughs> Who told you that one? Uh, I don't know. I used to be a roadie, so uh, I know a lot of gaff. I, lo- I know awesome. a lot of gaff. Awesome. I know a lot of – I can use gaff and, and I can make pretty much – with gaff and a coat hanger, I can do pretty wow. much anything. That's you like MacGyver. My, well, without the mullet. Without but the mullet. I, no, not anymore. I might have had a mullet for a while there. I don't know. Yeah, I might have. I might have. So I've got to know, like – my 18th birthday was just a, a ridiculous beer fest. Mm. What's your 18th birthday like when you're on Home and Away? <laughs> well, um, I, I turned 18 only about three weeks after I got the job. So it was still it was still high school friends in my parents' house in their big backyard in Petersham. But I think it, it, that was kind of an... It's kind of really odd to to tell your friends, especially if you go to performing arts high school, and so a lot of kids there want to be actors, that you're about to go and work on this show that is watched by, you know, in 50 million, you know, 50 million people, I think, worldwide watch it or something outrageous. Um, Because it's not only in Australia, it's sold all over the UK, it's massive and it's it's sold right across Europe. It's massive in Ireland and and England and um, all through Europe, so... But do, I think I, I was still really naive at that point. I don't, I don't think I... Because I didn't really watch the show. I, um, I was a bit more kind of earlier years when I was a young kid, but I hadn't watched it in a really long time. So I wasn't really aware of how massive that fan base was and how... I mean, I still get tweets and texts and things about Home and Away and Bell, and it's kind of hard unless, you know, you're standing there at an autograph signing and there's thousands of people waiting for your signature. The, I, couldn't, I couldn't comprehend that at the age of 17 or on my 18th birthday. I wish someone would have warned me because it, it really does... Um, it was a real shock and a real adjustment through those years. Mm. Now, the thing is that when I'm on telly, I'm me. Yeah. But when you're on telly, you're being someone else yeah. completely. Yeah. Do you find people... They get very the- confused. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I mean, I think a lot of people do understand that you're an actor, but 
um, oh, I've certainly had people come up and cry to me as if, you know, they know my character or tell me that I'm a bitch or can't believe that I did that. And I'm going, but it's not me. I'm it's not my job. And, um, yeah, it's kind of strange, especially a show like that, which is five days a week. So you're in someone's lounge room every night. You know, they feel like you're part of their family. They feel like they know the ins and outs of your life. And to try and explain to someone that you're, you know, in the middle of breaking up with your boyfriend at the cafe and now is really not a good time to ask for a photo is, you know, you've, there's a very fine line of trying to... I think that's why I'm such a private person for, for that reason. Did of that just happen? Constantly, you know, I'd be... No, I mean, to, you were breaking up with your boyfriend. No, I don't, that, I don't think that one in particular <laughs> happened. Um, I was going to say. Should, maybe you should have made that in a more private situation. No, 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 that never happened. But, you know, I'd be out for dinner with parents or yeah. I'd be out doing things like that and people would come up and talk to you and, try, you know, try and sit down and have a conversation with you. And, you, you know, it's quite, you know, embarrassing for when you've got family and friends who aren't in that industry and, you know, wanted you all to themselves. And yeah, but on the other hand, it's, it really speaks volumes to how much you're connecting. If people absolutely. feel so completely comfortable to walk up to you in a clearly private family situation and go, yeah. hey, it's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. How about a hug? And you're like, I don't know you, but okay. That's yeah. really, that, that speaks volumes to how much you connect. Or like you think about some other actors, uh, I guess certainly some female actors and most mostly male actors, there are people like, I'd never walk up to that person. Yeah, yeah. Too. No way. Yeah. I, I mean, was just going to look at him and wait. It is like I saw him once. Yeah. I mean, and, and as I don't mean to sound like I, you know, I don't appreciate it. There's certainly, I've got a, you know, a couple of memories of instances where someone's come up to me and said something and it's absolutely broken my heart and made my day all at the same time yeah. because of, of realizing what, what you've given someone without realizing what, that you've actually done anything at all. You know, I consider it my job, but, um, yeah, I've certainly had moments of going, wow, this is actually really important what you do and it and it really does affect people's lives and you can't you can't comprehend what you can mean to people when you know, you're on that side of things. Now, sometimes when I, I go, how do I even ask this? <laughs> it's a three year gig. Yeah. Did you ever think about I might roll this another three years over? Yeah. Um I I was um, because that really that's the kind of thing you could write into the sunset. Totally, and <laughs> and there's you know there was definitely um, I was offered to stay, and I was I was given that opportunity to stay three years, a year, six months. You know, the kind of we had that discussion. I think though, for me, when when I'd got to and because it wasn't just three years, because I started off as that guest, and then that six months of a guest, and then did my three mm. years as a regular. So in the end, it was nearly four years by the time I'd finished. Um, I'd, I felt like I had learned everything that I had learned. And I rem- remember having this conversation with my agent where he went, you know, it's just six months. Why not? You know, that's really set you up. And I went, I still want to say no. And I feel like I need to trust that. There's obviously something within me that knows that my time here is finished. And and I, the whole point of acting is that it changes. You know, you don't want to play the same person for the rest of your life. That's you know, the, the craft is is the change, is the getting to pick up new material and new texts and new characters. And, and, and I had a, a lot of fun. Like, I don't regret it for a second um, doing Home and Away, but I, I I was ready to leave. Do you remember the first day you didn't do it? Oh, the first day. No, I, mean, I and that was the other strange thing. I remember getting really depressed after I finished because you, it's a family. And I know that sounds really corny, but I spent at least five days a week with these people from often 5.30 in the morning till 5.30 in the morning, kind of, you know, crazy hours. 
the same people every day. You become so close, not just the cast, but the crew and the directors and and then all of a sudden these people who are have become your family are gone, you know, and you don't see them anymore and you don't have... You know, I used to interact with 50-plus people every day for th- nearly four years and then all of a sudden it was down to four a day. So it, it did definitely take a while for me to kind of... I guess mourn is the right word, grieve, like grieve yeah. for that person and grieve for all of those people. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure anyone who who does any job for a really long extended period of time can understand what that feels like. I can't remember the name of it. There's a word for it. What is it? The, the bond of the theatre, the brotherhood of the theatre? Oh, yeah, sure. It's something like that. It's in fr- from yeah. French direct. It's from French. Uh, translated into English, but it describes yeah. exactly that when you're on the production, when you're on eight shows a week with a matinee on Sunday. Yeah. That kind of family relationship you have to have yeah. working because it's such a, it's not like an office job where you're, you know, close quarters or retail where it's like you're there, I'm here, yeah. there's a counter between us, I'm selling you a t shirt. It's a job where you're in people's personal space yeah. whispering yeah. most of the time, and it's a very personal, personal job to have and it's not I mean you've there's there's levels to it too because even you know to from the makeup artists to guys in wardrobe or the production office you don't get into the film industry or television industry or theater industry unless you are a really social person that likes people that likes stories that likes communication so not even outside of the actors every department is incredibly close and intimate and personal with each other you know I have met all the children of you know the people that I've worked with and their partners and um, and then when you get to the cast that you're working with, and I mean, for example, Todd Lasance, who played my husband in Home and Away, for a year we hugged, kissed, cried with each other, yelled at each other. We were, it was, he was like my real boyfriend, you know. He was, there's a level of intimacy that comes with playing opposite someone, even if they're not, it's not real life, but you're fabricating these emotions and, you know, the best way to make them believable is to find truth in them and, and find them coming from a personal place. So you kind of end up having these really kind of emotional, intimate relationships with people that they while they're not real, they kind of become real in their own way. And I think that's why, you know, actors often are kind of seen as these overly emotional, intimate people because, well, yeah, that's that's what we do for a living. That's what we do every day. You for know? money. For money. It's a bit so weird, but yeah. What, you, said you, got, you said you got depressed. What, what kind yeah. of, how did that manifest? Um, I mean, it wasn't like, I think it was just, it, I think the best way to describe it, and I actually ended up writing a, um, a short, uh, like, a, like a little one-handed little monologue thing about it, about the, the grieving process of, um, for an actor playing someone and being in that person's body and mind frame and life and clothing and hairstyle for a certain period of time and then them dying. And that's like a friend dying, you know, that's someone that you, it's not just the character, but like I said, that then her family, you know, her husband, her mother on the show, her sister on the show, these were all people that I spent every day with. And then they were all gone. And I remember watching, cause obviously I wasn't there when they filmed it, my funeral episode on, and it was, I wept like a baby because to watch people I love cry, talking about me, looking at photos of me was, it was quite traumatizing to watch that and realizing that for them, even though they were acting, 
they, they shot that right after I left the show. So they, those tears came from a place of missing me. And just these, like, it's a really emotionally weird thing that we do. It's kind of amazing. I've never We're met anyone more that's, crazy. that's got to watch their own funeral. Oh, it's really bizarre. It's re- that's, and that's what the short, the, the short script I wrote about Whoa. was, was an actor watching their, having a wake party, which is what I did with my yeah. family. We watched the funeral episode with all my family and friends. We all were black oh. as if we went to a funeral. And um and just yeah how kind of the emotional roller coaster that you go on to to yeah to be at your own funeral it's a really weird thing I don't suggest it for anyone. You are probably one of the few people on earth that's done that. Yeah, because yeah. I, only because you're talking about the other actors in the scene as mm. just to describe and I've two of my exes are actresses. So right. I've had this discussion quite a lot. Uh, the place that a lot of actors find the emotion that they bring up on screen is a real place. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. they just happen to be in someone else's wardrobe and hair and the words aren't their own, but when they need to have that emotional reaction, they quickly switch back to themselves. Here's the time I felt sad about this thing and back to the, back to the yeah. character again. And so you're saying you're watching people that you knew and loved from working mm. for so long having real tears, yeah. actually grieving your loss. Well, I mean, and because uh, I spoke to, I remember talking to Todd about it because he had to, obviously, as the husband give this eulogy. And he was saying, you know, they were in a real church and there's a real coffin there and there are real photos of me up on the wall in this, like, creepy montage. And he, and he was like, and you had just finished working on the show and we were so, such close friends. He was like, the, it, there was no acting required. It, it's so easy to access that when you're surrounded by people in black all crying and there's a coffin right there right. you know it's a it's a kind of it's a really weird job that I do so but you just mentioned there which is mm. you know we were talking about this before we roll tape tape I don't have tape anymore <laughs> the digital age shows how, shows how long I've been doing this um <laughs> We were talking about creating content and you mentioned mm. that, you, that you wrote are you writing much um I do bits and pieces I I kind of have always um I guess dabbled in it. I'm, I don't consider. I don't actually consider myself a, a playwright or a writer as such. But I, I've been working actually with a friend at the moment as a script editor. So I'm. I think I'm better at big picture stuff, kind of story, the way story evolves. For folks that don't know what a script editor is, oh, someone who basically comes in and explains why the script isn't working. <laughs> you know, like a problem with the script, whether that's story arc wise, this should happen, or we should swap these two scenes around because it'll create better tension, or that character's not really working, how about we add, you know, this to them? So he is this fabulous writer that I met on a playwriting um, retreat where I wrote the script about the funeral. And um, and we just got on really, really well. And, um, and he kind of brought this television script to me and said, what do you think? And I kind of went, there's a lot of good stuff there, but how about I give you a hand kind of with the finer details? Because that was the first TV script he'd ever written and I've been reading them for so long he went well it would actually be useful to have an insider's all right yeah insight into it hmm that's uh, so but as far as writing as far as creating Mm. creating your next role or writing writing roles for yourself well that's kind of the thing that i have plans to do after wonderland wraps up in a couple of weeks is to spend time in a production office with a producer so Basically, I want to take Claudine Carvin's job and become an executive producer and be able to be a part of the creative process. Um, I mean, I love acting, but I do find it sometimes when... I mean, an actor to me is like a, 
they're like a hammer or something. They're just a tool in the in the making of something, but they don't really get. Don't to tell d- the actors that they're the most important. They're the most they're important, the most people, important people. Yeah, I have a I have a pretty level head about how you know how important I am. You're important. You're very important. But so is everyone else. It's always weird when um when I'm on set and I hear the radio call. Can you get the talent, please? I'm like, who's that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it ain't me. Exactly. I'm just the guy that reads the thing over <laughs> totally, there and then totally. walks away. Yeah, I'm like I have in my head. I'm like I have the easiest job, and yet you know. I mean, there's. I talk out loud for a living. Oh God, I know. I sometimes get really embarrassed about that too. That's, going, I don't know, but that's people want to pay me, and I'm going to let them. Yeah, that's fine so, by me. Totally. Yeah. So you want Claudia Carbon's job, uh, who is an actress who's transitioned she, into. Yeah, she exact produces her own work, and I think what the the whole. I mean, obviously, I don't want to take her job, but I, I really admire you what she's done. Yourself after her, yeah. yeah I want to be Seacrest. I mean, yeah. the guy's incredible. Yeah, I just I've kind of watched her career and go. There's someone who obviously is, has been working for so long in that industry that she does have all these other skills in understanding how shows get made and how story works. And so there obviously came a point in her career when she went, I've got all these skills and yet I'm only getting paid for this one. I want to be able to do that too. Mm-hmm. Or I can see how this show could be better. And so I've just, and I've always had a real interest in what the writers do and what producers do and have got, and you know, what directors do, hence why I'm friends with Jet. You know, I, take a huge interest in the other components of making television. Um, so it's just kind of always seemed like a natural thing that one day I would do this. And I guess now coming up to a decade of being in the industry, I'm like, okay, I think, I think I'm ready to, you know, start putting my hat in that, that side of the room. Is it also about, I often say that I'd rather, I, like I started this podcast because I was sick of sitting around getting asked to dance. Mm. Yeah, you know, I want it to be like. Well, I just have to go and make something. Yeah. I want to be in a little more control of. Yeah, is a little. Is it about that? Is it about Absolutely. being a little more control over what happens? I mean, I think, and you know, I mean, as I said, and I'm, I'm not just saying this to kind of cover myself. I have a huge amount of respect for what everyone else does, but there are often times in every job I've had where I've gone, I wouldn't do it that way. And that's not to say that my way is better, mm. but the fact that I am looking at it from that perspective going, I wouldn't direct it that way or I wouldn't, I don't think that she would say that or I don't, you know, I wouldn't have made those choices. I'm going, well, I should put my money where my mouth is then and actually become someone who makes those decisions. I mean, I, I look at a lot of films and televisions that um, I love and a lot that I think aren't very good and I go, well, I can sit there and complain about the way that, you know, maybe certain shows are going down but it's much better to be someone who's actually going to go, all right, well, how about I become the person that's part of the change that, you know, fixes that. And I I look at the kind of revolution that's happening in television overseas and I feel like Australia needs to jump on that train because it's steamrolling in America and I and I feel like Australia probably needs to get a little bit more dangerous. Oh, and, and the UK as well. I yeah. Mean, shows like, uh, certainly shows like Sherlock in, yeah. in the UK and, and definitely in, in the States with shows like uh, mm. Breaking Bad and Homeland and yeah. House of Cards. Yeah, Mad Men, shows all of them. completely Game challenging, Thrones, challenging yeah. the business, not only the, the biz, not only the viewers but the business model. Yeah. Like uh, for a show like Game of Thrones to be, not Game of Thrones, uh, House of Cards, for a show mm. like House of Cards to be so epic in far, mm. in, as far as cast and writing yeah. and directing, David yeah. Fincher, yeah. all right, on Netflix, which is a, yeah. a subscription internet-only portal, winning Emmys. Yeah, it says, "Hey, NBC Network TV, whatever. Yeah. Guess what's happening? Yeah, while later. you're busy trying to sell cars. Yeah, totally, absolutely. And you know, there's a real, you know, and it's something that kind of 
I've had a lot of conversations too with friends who are in other aspects of the industry and going, we haven't quite worked out how... You, I think, you know, a lot of shows don't really understand that, you, especially the younger, younger generations, they don't watch television every week at the same time. They watch it when they want to watch it. They can download it. They can download it after two minutes after it was in America. How, they can however download it, get, it here. However it gets to the big screen, yeah, no one cares they anymore. They don't care anymore. No. Um, and, and I don't advocate piracy. No, so no. I point that out. And no because but, we do need to get paid. Totally. And that's, actually, and that's why I think you've got to be smarter about it because, you've, you know, there's something happening at the moment. I, a friend of mine was talking about it where shows come out and then you can't buy them on iTunes for six months. Now, that's really dangerous because that means that people will download them illegally. Yep. You know, and you've got to... You know, think you got to think ten years ahead of where technology is now. If you want to kind of be in this business and go, okay, how is this going to work? How do you make content and advertise it and be able to, you know, access it? And even just the the content of the work. I think is it Danny Boyle, the director of Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah. He was talking about how television now is that's where all the film writers are going because it's so much more dangerous because all the kind of big companies that are making cinema are becoming so safe that unfortunately with there's it's turning into this I think he called it the Pixar generation. Mm-hmm. So everything is this very family friendly and none of it's kind of gritty and, and, and confronting. And so that's where now yeah. you find gritty confronting work in television. And so that's why you've got all the great actors, great writers, great directors going to television because they can make whatever they want. Because they can sell it online and they can sell it privately or you know and it's really Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Changing the way that I think television is no longer this kind of. Like also, it's not an also rant. No, yeah, it's not just a thing you turn. So, how on. do you? What would you like to see happen in Australia? I would, I would like to see Australian television become a little bit more dangerous. It's something that, you know, I mean, I like to watch shows that challenge my views, and I don't think I'm a particularly con- conventional person. So, it takes a lot to shock me. It takes a lot. I, I like to be. I like to have to catch up with television. I remember watching The West Wing, and. I didn't know what was going on half the time, but that's why I watched it because I was constantly engaged in that show because I had to work so hard. And I really, really bothers me when I watch television that I'm like, I'm, I'm ten steps. Ahead. I can see what's going to happen. You know, I don't, I don't think that's why people tune in to other worlds. They like to be trying to, you know, pick all the pieces and put them together. I think that's why Game of Thrones is so successful because it's a different world. We have to work really hard to keep up with all these names and places and people and wars and. You know, there's this whole... It still allows for a lot of imagination in our minds as opposed to television where it's all there for us and it's just really accessible. All of this is well and good, Mm. but 
I don't know, just from where I stand, I don't know, maybe you would know this more. It seems that, that while we seem to have the machine in place for giving actors in Australia this chance with, with Neighbours, with, with mm. Home and Away, with uh, shows like Rafters, with like just regulars and procedurals that we're just like, okay, here's a wood shop. Yeah. You can go, it's like Swimming Squad. Yeah. So you just go every week and you just get better and better and better. Where is that for writers? I, I could not agree because ultimately with these people can only talk... I Other people's could words. not agree more with you. I, I was saying that to someone the other day. I was like, I really hope that someone creates a NIDA and afters of VCA Whopper for writers because I think writers deserve that as well. Writers are so important. I mean, they'd see, I mean my, my mother's a writer. I have the utmost respect for writers. And yet there are, I don't feel like... I don't think people realise how important their job is. And often I don't think actors understand how important their job is, that unless you kind of have these you know, a place to cultivate creativity. And I think that starts in our high schools, the fact that, you know, I, I'd, I mean, I was very lucky I went to performing arts high school, but I think the creative arts is is below mass and it's below science in the way that we view it. The way that we fund arts in Australia is, I think, kind of shameable. And that's, we don't put an importance on the arts. And so therefore people don't fund you know writers and then they complain when they don't like the books that are coming out or the TV shows that are coming out. It's like, well... We, I don't think as a culture, really support the well, arts. Clearly we've got excellent writers because we're yeah. still managing to whack out five episodes of whatever Absolutely. every week. So Absolutely. clearly there are some pe- there are people doing this yeah. job. I'm not no disrespect whatsoever no. to the writers who are working in Australia, but I can imagine, I can only guess mm. that being a working writer in Australia is a tough gig. Oh, God, yeah. And they work so hard. I mean, they, the, the expectation to pump out content, um, especially, you know, on, on a show like Home and Away, is just ridiculous. There's, you know, there's not... I mean, I'm sure I worked on a film last year, and the writer, who's a very um, award-winning writer, um, Christopher Hampton, I think he spent, you know, on and off ten years writing this screenplay. How many writers would be given the breakdown, and you're expected to pump that out in a month? Like, it's, it's you know, probably less. While you got this other job, and while you're doing this, so the kind of time given is is so short in television that, I mean, it's amazing that they can manage to interweave five different stories, 12 different characters at all. Um, and I don't, I don't think it's a criticism on the talent of the writers in Australia. I think it is, has, it's a bigger picture about the way that we, um, we celebrate and we fund culture in this country and art and, and creative minds and kind of give them the support and the time and the grants that they need to do their job and to, to be brilliant at it. Um. I was going to say, though, that the, we talked about this just very briefly. Mm. Uh, the idea of producing your own thing, just back to that for <laughs> just a second, the idea of producing your own thing and, and, and being a little in a little more control mm. and putting your money where your mouth is, yeah. it is kind of dangerous because you can yeah. say, hey, I'm going to do this yeah. and fly it at the flagpole and no one and comes. Totally. Or I could be absolutely terrible at it. I'm, I'm very aware of that, but... Um, I, I don't know. I think I spent a, a lot of, because I've spent you know eight nine years, well, and even younger as a child, kind of being, um, I guess, directed by other people. Kind of stand here, do this. This is you know what you're wearing. This is, I, I and I'm okay with that, and I understand that the usefulness of that role. But it's frustrating. It it can mm. be deeply frustrating. And I, I've the older I've gotten and the more I've kind of realised the people that I admire are the ones who probably fell on their ass ten times before they got anywhere. That in order to be good or to be great or, 
you know, you have to be able to fail and be willing to fail. You can't succeed without failure. And I was, I, I think maybe it was when on the Yumi's podcast talking about it doesn't matter if it's, if everyone loves it, it's just about creating it. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's something remarkable in the art of just doing it and, and not expecting other people to love it and not doing it for that reason, but just doing it for yourself to, to, to be able to say that I made this, mm-hmm. you know, that I built this, that I, I wrote this song, even if it's crap, you know, well, to, and that and saying that it's only crap to someone else. It doesn't mean that's crap to you. There's lots of art, television, music that I don't like, but other people love it. And that just because I don't like, it doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just not my cup of tea. Mm. I don't think that there's any one book, film, song in that everyone in the universe would agree is perfect. You know, call me maybe from Carly Rae Jepsen. Oh well, that is a standout. That is, that, I'll, I'll take that back. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. James Hetfield sings that song at night to his kids. I'm sure. Oh. <laughs> possibly the perfect oh pop God, song. Possibly one awful, of the more perfect. Awful it's amazing. <laughs> really? It's amazing. It's a oh, yeah, perfect serious? pop song. I'm dead set. Oh wow. Because. When I started working in radio... This is hilarious. When I started working in radio when I was 20, I at the time was playing sometimes a five-string bass, sometimes a fretless bass in a contrapuntal funk metal band. Yeah. And we had a flute player. If the song was in seven, it was probably not weird enough for us. Okay. Like, we were... Yeah, you're eccentric. We were, we were weird, man. Yeah. We would still make it funky in seven, eight time with a bar of 15 and then another bar of seven. That's what we were doing. And then I went to work at B105, which is mm. all about, and it's all for what? It's like Brian Adams and <laughs> yeah, Celine yeah. Dion and, and a lot of Richard Marks, who is great. And initially I was quite resistant to it. Yeah. Initially I was like, oh, it's pop music. But yeah. And I thought, hang on a second. This is someone's favourite song. As much as I love Primus or yeah. Jane's Addiction, this person loves this band, and in fact, by the evidence at hand, way more than I do. Yeah, yeah. And who am I to say they're wrong? No, and that's and that's I. I mean, I. And when it comes me. when it comes to call me mm, maybe mm, when mm, it comes to call me maybe, mm. I could go and form a band and wear skinny jeans and mm. and, and, and and dress in a certain way and play a gig to five people who dress the same as me in a certain way, and it's like I'm speaking to people who. Who want to listen? Who, yeah. who know me? But if I can write a song that an, a, a six-year-old girl, her twelve-year-old mm. brother, her mum, that mum's brother, the grandma, the guy who's driving the totally. bus, all love. Yeah, that's an accomplishment. To paint with such a broad brush, yeah, is super difficult. Yeah, and I just hats off to anyone that can go. Anyone can go number one on billboards. Like you. Oh yeah. Oh, and that's, that's mass market. And that's, that's what I meant in saying it's not my cup of tea. But I have a huge amount of res- when. That's why I don't believe that my opinion therefore deems something good or bad. Right. And to me, that's the that is the reason of the success of things like Home and Away Neighbors is that going. We that's would pop music. We, you know, it's the it's pop music it's of pop. television. We would have five year olds come up and ask for autographs, and we would have like. 75 year old yeah. old like grandpas yeah. you know the amount the kind of range of people that you know would in secret would admit to watching that show you went okay so you know call it what you will but this is tapping into something something for everyone and that's that's really hard to do dirty secret dirty. I watch home and away I've got way dirty secret I've got way more dirty secrets you than wouldn't that. believe the amount of like the 25 year old guys who'd like come up and be like no I really like your show like, yeah because you're really good hot like, yeah yeah totally like smoking running around on the beach oh beaches. I just saw the beach again oh I'm just yeah. in a bikini I can't believe you said that so awesome <laughs> See, like I said, something for everyone. So, thought about it. So awesome. Is yeah. the, uh, oh, God. All right, I'll ask it. 
When you put that many young, hot, good-looking people who are getting paid well in such a tight environment, I mean, come on. Is it a recipe for disaster? Is that is, what you're asking? Yeah. Um, is it like the second night of school this week? Or is yeah. it just, oh. <laughs> um, I, think, I think it goes through waves of generations of um, depending on, on who's there. Because I, I kind of came in at the Chris Hemsworth, Isabel Lucas generation. And there was definitely – because, well, obviously those the two were a couple. Um, I mean, I had one boyfriend – uh, I dated one of my classmates on that show, but it's, I, it's like dating in the band. Like yeah. you never date in the well, band. Well, that's the thing. And once you do it once, you never do it again. So once I did it and it obviously didn't work out, I very much went, okay, I'm going to now only date, socialize outside of my work. And I've, it's a lesson I've kept ever since. I don't, don't date within, you, you don't shit where you eat. Like it's just a rule, <laughs> you know, it's just a rule. And it's, there's, it's a rule for a very good reason because, you yeah. know, it's... It, look at, just look at ABBA, all right? That's what happens. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just disaster. So, yeah, it's a um, disaster. I think, yeah, I mean, I definitely... They would, you, Fleetwood Max rumours. Just, just, just don't have sex yeah. with people in a band. Just, it's just not... It's not worth it. There are so many other people that... There are six billion people in the world. Seven. Seven, oh, seven now. Seven oh, now. God. Yeah, we're the people who are getting climbing busy. Climbing that ladder. People are getting busy. Clearly ones who aren't working together, though. Clearly, yeah, 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 or yeah, interested in vegans in Bondi. Um, so, I have getting ready for this. I read a, a few things you'd written, and, and you were talking about um, roles for young women. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that I'm, and I, I have another podcast with my friend Alicia. We talk, uh, we talk movies. Yeah, and one of the things she and I often talk about is the Bechtel test. Ah, I've heard about this. Now, the Bechtel test, for those who don't know, is it, it's it's a measurement. It was first came out in a in a in a, a lesbian feminist uh, magazine. This is mm. in the days before the internet. This is mm. how people would you know get information around. Yeah. They would make fanzines and photocopies and staples and mail them out. And uh, Alison Bechtel was the art was the um, artist, and the, mm-hmm. the was a one page comic. It was called The Rule, and yeah. it was a rule about Hollywood. And it is that you will fail the Bechtel test. Does mm. the film have two female characters with a name. Yeah. And the second part of that rule is do those two female characters have a conversation about anything other than a man? Mm-hmm. And you'll be blown away. Yeah, how many films how fail many it? How many films completely. Some of the biggest, yeah. highest-grossing, Oscar-winning films of all time completely yeah. fail the Bechdel test. And it bothers me. I, I wrote a screenplay once just to, you know, see what it was like. It was terrible, but it gave me an opportunity to go, like, it was when I ran my first yeah. marathon. It was like, wow, that was really hard, but now yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um, it, it did give me a, a, an essence into oh, okay, so this is this is what, but it so doesn't reflect actual the world that I live in, where there no. are many powerful women who often have very large decision making roles in my life and career. Yeah. Yet when you watch a movie, it's not there. It's not there. No. Yeah. So when you when you get handed scripts, you go, oh, really? I'm a girlfriend. Yeah. I mean, I. Uh, how I'm, I'm the one that comes in and steals the boyfriend of the main character. Is that it? Yeah, and it's and it and it's. Deeply... I don't want to get you into trouble. No, no, I don't no, no, get no, 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 no. And you, oh, you can't. I'm, I'm. Everyone who works with me knows that I, I say what I think, and I'm not too afraid about that. I mean, I, it's deeply frustrating, and that's why I've spoken about it in so many interviews, and I'm not afraid to say it over and over again. I'm, I'm one of uh, three daughters, so I grew up in with, you know, there's four women and one guy, so I came from a very female family, and even in my extended family, it's very matriarchal, not patriarchal, um, and I, it's, I find it deeply frustrating too when I look at the amount of strong, intelligent women with great stories doing amazing things, and then I pick up a script and I go, oh, so she gives up her career for him, and she, okay, oh, okay, here we go, you know, and it, and it's, and I hate to say it, but it's, 
it's a, and it's fr- it's even more frustrating when you then go, okay, who wrote this? And you go to the front page and it's a woman. And you go, how? Come on, man. Where's the sisterhood? Like, why are you writing me like an idiot? Um, and I think it's, I don't, I don't know why that is. I, I wish I did. I don't know if it's because the exec producers who, you know, kind of fund these things are mainly men or if um, we, no one is just brave enough to do it or the scripts that are brave enough to do it don't get funding and so they don't get made. Um, or they're bridesmaids. Or they're bridesmaids. But my thing about bridesmaids, the, the movie Bridesmaids, my thing about bridesmaids yeah. is that, my looking at it, but I don't mind if anybody disagrees with me, they were kind of playing masculine characters. Yeah, right. They weren't necessarily playing quite feminine characters. No, Particularly no. Kristen Wiig and no. Rudolph. Yeah. They were like boys. Ooh. In the way they spoke but, and move and act. But I think, th- and I think that's something that, and I've brought this up in in shows that I've worked on where they've kind of, the, I've looked at the dialogue that I have to say, and I was like, women don't talk to each other like this. Not, you know, especially when obviously most of the time I'm playing someone my age. I'm like, I would never talk to my girlfriend like this. We swear as much as the boys. We, cur- you know, we're as bolshy and kind of playful and funny and rude. You know, I don't understand why why people are afraid to see women take on those roles because we all know that women do take on those roles. Sure, there there is still maybe more coquettish women out there, but I think on the whole, everyone's accepted that girls can give it as much as the guys can, and and it's more interesting to watch that. It's far more interesting to see. You know, I love watching movies where the two women are talking. You know, I mean, to me, even though it was kind of. I, towards the end, it kind of lost its way. I remember the, watching the first few seasons of something like Sex in the City where they're talking about masturbation and, you know, and it was just so open and so candid. And, you know, you've got to remember that it was 15 years ago now that it was it was really wonderful as a young woman to go, oh, cool, I'm, I, it's okay to talk about that stuff and admit that and, you know, not compete with your girlfriends over men. And, you know, it was just, it was refreshing. And I kind of... I feel like there's every now and then something comes out like girls where it happens again, but then it just, you know, but that's one in a million still, which I don't, not sure why. But she is, I, I haven't really followed up with the second season too mm. much, I'm afraid. And that might speak to a bit of, I don't know what's going on in Lena Dunham's life, right. but her just writing it. And creating it, and then just drawing people like Nora Ephron towards her yeah. and Judd Apatow towards her, and and writing, cre- directing, creating. At twenty six, I'm yeah. looking at going. I was. I'm st- I know. Like, to quote my friend James Matheson, I was still bumping into things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and look at how. Absolutely. Even but, if you don't like the show, you can't kind of marvel at the the power of this young woman who just had a voice and wasn't afraid to share it with the world, and you know. I don't think I don't even think she was deliberately trying to be controversial. I think she was just trying to be honest and say, you know, this is what it's like to be in your young and your twenties, and you you kind of do dumb things and you make dumb decisions and yeah. you have kind of weird sex and you learn from it. And that's, you know, it's okay to kind of admit that. And people going, oh, it's, you know, it's trying to be provocative. And it's like, no, it's just being honest. Weird sex is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> some so of those scenes as well were just, you know, I was going, really? Oh, okay. Well, maybe some young women out there do do that. All right, sure. You know? <laughs> it was, but that's what I liked about it. I was like, great. This is kind of good to see something that, you know, is, is opening my eyes to something new as opposed to seeing something, you know, downplayed so much mm. for the sake of, you know, not rocking the boat. I mean, that's, what's the point of making it then if, you've, if someone else has already made it? Right. Mm. 
I'd love to see that kind of thing happen here. Yeah. You know, I I'd, really would. I, I, you know, I think when we had... When the start of, like, cable television came with things like Love My Way and Tangle, I feel like it... I feel like it is starting. I mean, I mm. think those shows, when you finally kind of get away from the need, as you said, to advertise a car or Maccas or, you know... Television is expensive, man. Yeah, no, it's you so... You've got to make money. Absolutely. And you've got to be able to... Exactly. Adver- People are going to ad- want to watch, otherwise there's no point. Yeah, You might yeah. as well make a YouTube video. Yeah. But that's the kind of brilliance of what would what will happen, I think, with, you know, a rise in, in you know... Um, they're starting like webisodes and things like mm. that is that you actually opening these avenues for people to be a little bit more kind of wild and creative with the, um, the kind of ideas of shows. But there's, and there's also in my, you know, in my view, I would love to see, uh, you know, say for example, ABC's iView or, mm. or the 10 play platform where I, yeah. where I work at channel 10 to put content up solely on those Platform, yeah. little five minute, ten minute things. Yeah, like to develop. Say, for example, you could develop a, a short, even a soap or a comedy or something. Mm. You could just develop it in five minute chunks. Yeah, and then you can get metrics. You can see when oh, people are into this part yeah. or that part or whatever. And then by the time, and then they're already in house. You mm. don't have to go and yeah. then acquire them from their YouTube channel that has a million downloads a week. You can go. Yeah. All right, you're already in here. We're developing you, but we're just not going to put you. There's so many more layers to yeah. it now. Yeah, there's so many like possibilities. I mean, I think t- Ten did do that with um, Offspring. They had a little spin-off called Nurses, which was about the two nurses who I think was during their first season, and they made these little webisodes that were just about the two of them, and they posted that on the website, Perfect. which was just such a great kind of way to have this, you know, just something it was just. I think they kind of just did it for the fun, you yeah. know, between them, but. You know, there's there's so the possibilities are kind of endless now that you have the internet and and what that yeah. can open up. That I I think it will change. It's just gonna. I think it just kind of takes the generation to to, to it's turn the great over. Level, it's the great level because the thing that's thing that works, the thing that works, the thing that gets views mm. is the things that connect. Yeah, and and that's it. And it's no longer you. Can, it's no longer you know only the people that get picked get to make it. Yeah. Picked by a network, picked by a, a television or film production company, yeah, or, or picked by a director. It's like I, on my phone, I can edit and, and shoot yeah. something and yeah. upload and host something today. But yeah. if I have nothing great to tell and if I'm not connecting with my audience, it won't work. Won't work. Yeah. So that's the thing that is the key. Is yeah. like how how can you how can you connect? Because now it's totally open. Well, yeah, open. and it's constantly changing as well. You know, I think you have to be really on the ball in order to be able to keep up with it. I had a, a friend who made these webisodes called Danger 5 and then they got picked up by SBS and made it onto television. But it was just something that they did for fun yeah. with their friends. I think, you know, one of their fathers directed it and they all just were mates who acted in it. And, you know, that's just kind of the power of a good one good idea and people who love what they do and just work really hard. And but it connected. Yeah. And they made it. And brilliant. I'm, sh- I'm sure early it might have been, you know, a little tricky, but they had enough time and space to develop it. And yeah. Then- and then it came along and there's an audience and they built an audience and then, oh. And they yeah. built this kind of like internet fan base, you know, <laughs> underground culty status. And, you know, so they, I, I think, and I do think that just, you know, as it has always kind of happened, the guys who are girls who are you're a bit younger and maybe a little bit more tech savvy are kind of finding new and different ways to do it. So as time mm. progresses and they become the ones who are, you know, ruling the television stations or being the producers, you'll see this stuff kind of, Steamroll and pick long. up momentum. No, I don't think so Won't either. Within five years, I think. yeah. Once, once, uh, I, I like to think you know, once internet speed uh, equal or surpass analog television signal, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's it. It's over. 
Um, it's a very exciting time. It's super exciting time mm. to be creating. Uh, to be creating content, you've made television, um, and you've, like you said, you've been working very hard on on films that you. You say you've been a little out of the out of the public eye, but you've been working. Yeah. But now yeah. all these films, the process yeah. takes quite a while. These films are just about about to hit. A, a, about to hit. Um, and I think there's one film that I really wanted to ask you about. The film it was originally called uh, Grandmothers. Grandmothers. Yeah. And then it changed names a few times, and now it's called A Door. It's yeah. now called Adoration. It's adoration. changed again. And yeah. I think in America. It yeah, might in be America it was A Door. Here it's yeah. Adoration. It was Two Mothers Somewhere. The original title of the of the story that it's based on his grandmothers. Mm. Um, yeah. There's two mothers in their late, early 40s, mid 40s. Early 40s, yeah. And they've 40s. got studly hot sons. Yeah, and they, of um, course. Yeah. And they fall for each other's sons. Sons, hmm, yeah. And, but, come on, being in that movie with, there was some heavyweights It was ridiculous. Film. And that was kind of what was so, and then, I, I don't, you know what, I don't know whether I would have been cast in that film had it not been directed by a foreigner because she had no idea, she didn't care who I was. She didn't care what I'd done. She just wanted the person that fit the role the best. Well, I think, you know, having a profile, if it was an, an Aussie director, my profile might not have been as shiny enough or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hadn't, when I did worked on that film, I hadn't probably hadn't worked for maybe about six months. And so then to go from kind of being like, oh, I don't know when my next job is or what it's going to be to, so you've just got a film with Naomi Watson, Robin Wright and Ben Mendelsohn and you're like, oh, okay, all right. Um, and just, I, I, I still kind of struggle to talk about what that was like because in some ways it was incredible and um, kind of breathtaking and then it was also just so normal like every other job. You know, we all just sat around the catering table and chatted and, you know, Nomi's kids would run up and come and have a chat with you and Ben Mendelsohn would just, you know, make jokes and play music and you're going, this is surreal. I used to play poker with Mendo. He's an interesting guy, He's, isn't he? Uh, I, I have so much love for that man. Yeah, he was so man. warm and lovely. lovely. And he's a lovely man. He's, he's a, a lovely man. man. And and watching all of them act as well, it, they just make it look so effortless, you know. I mean, I'm, you know, the idea is to make it look really, really easy, but it isn't. It's really hard to be that good. I you think know? it's like anything. Like when you when you watch, I I have a GoPro, those little tiny yeah, little cameras, yeah. and every week they send out a video of the week of like someone who's strapped a GoPro to them or their bike and they're doing something ridiculous. Yeah, often hundreds of feet over the ground. Yeah, and. I liken it to that. It's like, well, of course this person doing a, a double backflip on a BMX looks like he's not even trying. Yeah. Because he's done it 50,000 exactly, times. Exactly, yeah. And he's fallen 25 of those. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, it looks like it's super easy to do a double upside down 720 rodeo backflip snowboard out of a half pipe <laughs> because he spent four winters in a row doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. They're just so – they're just such professionals. They're so proficient at it. And it – and – I mean, I'd, I would love to ask them, like, is it actually really hard? Do you stay up till four in the morning learning your lines and, and practicing in front of the mirror and doing, you know, I don't know how you've, how, what, how they acquire those kind of skills. I hope by the time I'm, you know, in my 40s that I will be able to do what they do because I certainly would go on set going, I don't know how I'm going to look next, standing next to you in this scene. Like, I just, I, I don't have the 25 plus years experience on top yeah. of mine that you have. So... Um, I still haven't seen that film. And so I'm a little bit nervous about seeing that. comes out next week and I will probably hide in the back of a cinema by myself with a bottle of wine, crying, watching it. <laughs> That's my plan. Good plan. I would say to you on that, <laughs> mm. uh, I've been 
talking a lot about this on this show. I, mm. I um, since I was a kid, I've, I've, I've struggled with anxiety, and so I've been I've been kind of exploring fear and what fear is and things yeah. like that. And I came across it's a classic of the genre. Uh, there's a book called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, mm. which is a classic. And I yeah. would say to you that. Uh, as, and it's got five precepts that start the book and just read the first chapter. Um, but that as long as you continue to grow, the fear mm. will always be there. Yeah. Oh, and you need the fear. Yeah. You need, you absolutely need the fear. And I the, relish yeah, in yeah. the fear because otherwise I would stay at home and I would never, I, I'm terrified constantly in my work because I, the, of working opposite someone who, I consider better than me or a director who terrifies me. But if I don't, then I'm not going to get any better and I will just yeah. stalemate that if you, unless you have, and then that's what I meant about, you know, trying the producing thing or trying the writing thing. And, you know, I, I don't know, maybe I will be awful at it, but that's really, that's kind of out of my control, you know, and to, to, you know, a life lived in fear is a life half lived kind of thing. You, there's no point in, in being on this earth if you're not going to, you know, Fall on your ass a few times. You have, yes, that's a very good point. Mm. That's a very good point. Um, now, we have been here for some time, but I do, I should probably let you get back to the, the inner west of Sydney. Oh, I can what, scurry back into my dark cave. Thank you. Where you live? <laughs> yeah. With, you live in a share house. I live in a share, in Redfin, yeah. You live in a share house. I haven't lived in a share house in... I love it. Tell me about it. Well, I've never, I didn't used to live in share houses. I moved, I've only ever lived... For the first kind of from 18 to 22, 23, I lived either by myself or with a partner or with one friend. Um, and I really kind of liked my own space. And um, But then I started living with huge, huge amounts of people. I live in a house of – there's five of us in this house. And I love it because they're it, – None of them are actors, but they're all kind of fascinating, interesting creatives in their own way. And it, I have never gone to so many galleries or gone to weird art pieces or concerts or poet beats and all, you know, this kind of weird, crazy stuff that happens in Sydney. It's just opened my my world up so much living with people. And I, you know, I think unless, I mean, also, as I said before, I'm 26. I'm, there's plenty of time to live by myself or, you know, married with children that, you know, while I'm still at that age, I kind of think it's important to to try as many different things as possible. It's nice to have that instant social life. Yeah. And to come home, I mean, I, and my job is very social, but I come home and there's always someone there and there's always movies going on or food being cooked or music playing or someone painting or someone designing jewellery or, you know, there's just so much going on in that house that you never really, there's there's never lack of kind of, you know, something to do or something to talk about. I recall my share house, I used to live with my drummer, his girlfriend, and uh, two other people. And I always remember that the, the key to share houses mm. is that it has to be architecturally correct. Yeah. You have to have a good bathroom to person ratio. That's probably the one thing that this um, house is lacking. But in saying that, because we all have such kind of crazy jobs, we all have such different schedules, we've somehow managed to make it work pretty seamlessly. Um, yeah, there's been there's been moments though. We, luckily, we also live next door to a pub, so if there ever is someone in the bathroom, you can always just run next door and use the pubs if you're really busting. So that's one positive. What about uh, how do you defend your food in the fridge? Um, we have a pretty we're we're a pretty sharing caring kind of household. Everything as long as long as it always you know you can steal my thing as long as I can steal yours. 
kind of situation. You're getting into a dark economy of back and forth. Yeah. No, no, we, we're, we're, a very, um, we're a very sharing household. We, we've all also have known each other for a very, very long time. Okay. Um, so I think that do- definitely helps. They're not strangers. How good is it to go to weird kind of performance art poetry on a Tuesday? So good. <laughs> it's so good. And, I, and it felt kind of strange because I'm quite, I mean, I'm by no means a conservative person, but I just would never know about that stuff. Yeah. And it's not something that I would necessarily even go to. But because they're going, I'm like, oh, why not? I'm not doing anything. I'll come along. And I've just, you know, you just kind of meet the most fascinating and interesting people and just have totally different experiences Um with parts of the community, especially in Redfern, uh, two of my housemates have been doing um, a lot of filming of and working with the Indigenous community there. And that's a, just a part of Redfern I probably wouldn't have been able to to meet and, and talk to had it not been for them. And I'm just kind of constantly grateful for how much more interesting other people are than me and I can kind of suck their knowledge out of them. But as an actor, to, that's what you need to do. You need to yeah. take a, you, need to, you have to take a sip from everybody's cup. Yeah. So and, you've got something to draw on. And, abs- and and you've got to bank up kind of stories and characters and, and you know, if you don't... I mean, I think that's why I love living in a share house. I realise that I've actually tapped into so many other people's lives and probably have a, a, a more well-rounded view of the world than had I just kind of stayed at home in my little, you know, one-bedroom apartment by myself, locking, you know, locking the door. That's... Once again, it's just not really a way to live your life. I did that for years. Yeah. I've only just started not doing it, mm. and it's really great. Mm. It's really great. Yeah. It served its purpose because I was just afraid to leave, but yeah. it's better now. Yeah, but as long as you can always have your own space, you know. I mean, I have a, a nice room with a balcony that if I need to retreat, I've got my space. But, yeah, I don't know. But now I, there's laptops and Wi-Fi. Yeah. Houses are very different. In the old yeah. days, it was like, well, there's a telly, yeah. and that's it. That's, that, that's, that's it. That's all we've yeah. got. yeah. No, no, that's true. I mean, you kind of often see everyone scurry up to their room to watch their different respective television on their, you know, their laptop computer and have that own space. But I think even in this tech-savvy world, our households actually, we're m- much more likely to be sitting around having a glass of wine in the dining room than we are to be in our rooms. Oh, that's nice. Hiding away. Yeah, it's good. And how long until you, you're coming, coming to visit us in Los Angeles? I don't know. I constantly get asked that question and I just don't, I don't know if I have an answer for it. Well, the way I explain it is when people ask me, mm. is any business, any mm. business wants to be exposed to the largest market possible. Yeah. And if I look at what I do as a business, mm. the largest market possible, the largest English-speaking language market, yeah, English-language-speaking market <laughs> in television, non-scripted, yeah. is in North America. Yeah. And so if I want to do what I do at the highest mm. level possible with the highest chance of exposure f- to, to success, yeah. that's where I need to be. That's where I need to be. Yeah. And if I wanted to be a pro surfer, I would go and live in Hawaii. If I wanted to be a pro skier, I would go and live in the mountains. If I wanted to go and make, I don't know, make cars, I mm. would go and live in, in, in Detroit or China where they make yeah. cars. I mean, I think there's definitely, there'll definitely be time of my career where I will spend there. But on what we were talking about before about Australia needing to be a part of a revolution of the world, I see my role here being a part of that, not trying to join someone else's revolution in LA. You know, I want to be here to be a part of that, those people that that do change television and film in this country and and try and revive it out of, you know, um, out of, you know, the kind of ebb and flow that it seems to constantly been having for the last 20 years. Um, so that's really, I think now I want to be part of telling Australian stories. I mean, I, I would obviously go to America if the work was there and I think I'll always kind of keep an eye out there, but, um, I don't know. I, 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 I do feel a sense of, 
patriotism is not the word, but this kind of sense of of this is my home and I want to I want to be a part of this in, this creative industry and 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 story Australian storytelling. When you look at the the, the European shows that have mm. been developed for uh, the American market, mm. for example, uh, Hostages and Homeland out yeah. of Israel and In Treatment out of Israel, there's, there's so much of that is is possible. Yeah. And the Bridge was the other big one. Yeah. Uh, which they did an American version of. Yeah. Um, so much is possible to, to, yeah. to do that, and I, I honestly I agree with you. There's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of stories to be told here, but I guess then there is also you can go over there and you can work for twelve weeks Absolutely. and make enough money to come back here for no. months and do. And that that's thing. what I honestly that's what I ultimately would love to do. And I think you're already seeing when you there has been. Well, there was Rake and there was Wilfred and mm-hmm. even Kathy and Kim, you know, they ebb and flow in success, but there is, the market is a bit more global now. People are starting to not just, you know, as an actor, you don't need to move to LA in order to work there. You can be here working and then work over there and then work in London and France. Mm-hmm. The, the world has kind of changed in that way. So I, I, I think, you know, 15 years ago, you, you either stayed in Australia or you went to LA. And now I've kind of don't feel the need to have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, well, if the work at the moment, there's work for me here and so I'll stay here. But I'm sure there'll come a time when I'm like, okay, time to, you know, stretch the feet and go for a wonder. And so uh, when Wonderland wraps, start, uh, I don't know, pick three writers, pick two women and one mm-hmm. guy and just have them over for dinner every week. And they can Snow be your Marie. part of your first collective. You can be like Blue Tongue too. Yeah. You know, you're like, you know, but that's that's how it starts. Yeah. It's just films aren't made by some magical process no. of producers and this person's job. It's just usually it's just mates yeah. who find a way, and then a contract's written to make sure everyone makes money. Yeah, but it's usually just mates. Yeah. Well, the, the, one of the films that I, I did last year, and I did it because I was just kind of so impressed by these two guys. They were owned an advertising um, firm in Adelaide and just decided that they didn't like advertising anymore. They wanted to get into filmmaking. Literally wrote a script with one of the other women that worked there in the space of a month and a half. Wow. Then called up all these actors and and because, you know, I knew someone who had agreed to do it, I went, oh, well, that sounds like a bit of fun. And, you know, and and because they weren't filmmakers, they kind of said, you can rewrite, help us rewrite this. And we went there and we had this workshop and rewrote the script and then shot it in the space of four weeks and they finished it. And it's like, you just woke up one day and decided to do something and within six months I had a film. Like, just out of sheer kind of brazen, why can't we, you know, why not, why not us? And I was just so impressed by that. I was like, I want to be around people who kind of refuse to ha- take no for an answer and refuse to wait for funding and wait for this, who just made it and just got a bunch of people to give up their time. And But all, but everyone wanted to do it. They, you know, we went into it willingly going, yeah, I love creative, yeah, go get that's, it. because that's infection. Yeah, you're like, and yeah. You're around it. Yeah, yeah. And it spurs you then on to go, oh, if you, yeah, I, I can do this. If you can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And so that's kind of... I think that having that happen over the last year has that's where I've spurred into going. All right, okay, maybe it's my turn to put my neck on the chopping block. Let's see if I can see. And this is why mm. people have been writing things about you mm. because you're all this. Yeah, you're not just that. Yeah, yeah. And that's the key. And that can only build as well. You know, I think the doing these things and taking these risks actually teaches you more about yourself than you probably even knew was there. I'm excited for you. Oh, thanks. (laughs) You're getting me excited about it too. I'm like, yeah. Unreal. Go home now. I'm going to take your photo. Okay. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. This has been really great. Oh, great. I'm really grateful you came. I'm glad I came too. How long have we been chatting for? A while. Oh, gosh. (laughs) 
stuck. Can't stop. Unreal. Let's do it. So there she is. That's Jess Tovey. She's on Twitter at Jessie Liz, J-E-S-S-I-E-L-I-Z on Twitter. Send her a tweet. Tell her you heard her here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe in iTunes if you don't want to miss an episode. Thank you again very much to everybody that tweeted through the week. I'm taking it slow. I'm, you know, I've got my work to do. I'm doing it, doing it one day at a time. Me and my team, uh, the various collaboration of people that help me make sense of what goes on between my ears are all uh, we're all working on it together, which is good. Um, and I'm just, you know what? I'm super grateful for a few things this week. I'm super grateful for FaceTime, for Viber, for Skype, um, and iMessage. Because even though I'm in Amsterdam, I'm able to be in instant contact with um, people that I really care about and who really care about me. And uh, you know, sometimes when we're in, you know, we want to kind of isolate because we think like, when we're by ourselves, we'll be safe. But um, leaning into it and reaching out and telling people what's going on and having them talk to you and you know. It can kind of really ground you and really bring um, some perspective on what's going on. Anyway, that's what's worked for me this week. So uh, just a big thank you to all those uh, San Francisco uh, startups who invented these programs so that I could uh, be in touch when I'm very far away. Hey, uh, thanks for being here. Um, I can't do this show without you. Um, If you don't listen, there is no show. So thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Hope you sleep well and I hope you dream of beautiful things. Talk to you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.